0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode here on our couch date.
1: Episode 11.
0: Episode 11.
1: 7 11.
0: Not quite 7 11. Slushy. 4 11. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) But almost there. It is
1: the 11th.
0: Is today the 11th? Uh huh. No way. It
1: is 4 11.
0: Dang. That is really cool. Wow. Episode 11 on the 11th super super exciting we just go ahead and chew it <laughs> to your lap taking the chips away from
2: me.
1: <laughs> sorry i forgot i was on a
0: no no no, no. you're totally second. good um normally we, rele- we release episodes on tuesdays but this week episode 11 we're releasing on wednesday instead yeah because first of all it's our podcast. We're just going to do it how we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, Hannah and I were not clicking <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> it was just not good vibes. It would have been very um y very awkward. Uh, for those of you out there, you would have probably heard within a Hannah's tone, um... Mm, you would have heard of in Hannah's tone that she would have been so annoyed. Whatever. But here we are. Yeah. Less than 24 hours and...
1: Feeling better. Feeling better. We're not fighting anymore.
0: Well, I didn't say that we were
1: fighting. They know.
0: <laughs> they know. Yeah. Okay, fine.
1: <laughs> the yeah. people know.
0: Mm-hmm. So, episode 11. Yeah. Do you want to comment on any of that before we move on? I don't know. No? No. Well, there are many of you... uh, Not many of you. There have been a few of you that have reached out to us and let us know how much you like the podcast. Mm. Uh, Some of you have given us, like, really good criticisms and we receive them. So thank you so much for all of that stuff. And even more, even more, because Hannah and I are just normal people um but man we have some subscribers on spotify hello wow. we have some good ratings on apple Podcasts. so wow. all of you who have been liking subscribing sharing with your friends that means a lot if you could sum up babe yeah if you could sum up our couch dates mm-hmm. to kind of give people an overview if they were to invite a friend or a family member, how would you describe
2: uh,
1: oh.
0: Couch Date Podcast?
1: Um, it's a podcast um, <laughs> about... <laughs> Period. Life spirituality Um, I don't know I feel like you just
0: need one more word life spirituality and
1: and um, I mean a lot of it is about religion to a degree Um, but talking candidly about religion and faith yeah. And life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: It's hard to describe. It's hard to describe. And we you haven't
1: really like honed in yet on like, we're still kind of all over the place. Maybe, you know, one day we'd like hone in and have a better, you know, vision statement. Yeah. Of our life.
0: There's been consistency to the podcast though. It's just, we haven't necessarily given it like tunnel vision. Yeah. yeah. But- Those who have listened to the 10 episodes, they can see a trend in topics and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good segue. Oh, okay. So today, our opening, Mm -hmm. we're going to do... I should open up some music right there. Like drop some music. Current events. Oh. So we're going... I'm going to bring some...
1: (laughs) welcome to the news
0: (laughs) exactly we need to i need to find some breaking news really dope thing for like current events breaking news (laughs) put that in next time as we but yeah i'm gonna put i'm gonna i have two current events to drop before you and you could just comment as you want to um you don't have to like Think thoroughly through your comments. You can just, you know, let it flow, babe. Let it flow. Uh, But the first one is, I'm a massive UFC fanatic. Okay. You know this. You are. I am.
1: Well, yeah. I wouldn't use the word fanatic, but yeah. I would say that's
0: probably the thing besides Jesus that I am most interested in. Yeah. Um. Besides, you know, besides family, my health, etc. For sure. But you, I watch almost all of the fight cards. And then uh, the only podcast I listen to besides Theology in the Raw is the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani and Mortal... Wait, Morning Combat. Um, yeah.
2: Huh.
0: Incredible podcasts, They're like the top two but they're really really good there was one that i was listening to because i'm trying to soak up all of the commentary from you know retired ufc fighters who were maybe you know once upon a time champions or they fought for belts but they're retired now so they have a podcast where they comment on fights and they give their commentary and insights and really really interesting mm-hmm. to me Today's podcast, um, I don't know the name of it, but it was featuring Michael Bisping and Anthony Lionheart something. I don't remember his last name. Um, But the two of them were talking about religion. Hmm. And it was really interesting because from the onset, like whenever they've given like post fight interviews or They have been interviewed about whatever. Like, they don't ever mention their faith. But both of these guys are practicing Christians. Like, they talked about how... um, One of them was like... Michael Biscombe was like, I read in Galatians 2 yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then Anthony was like, I love Galatians. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting, sort of like bunny trail, is... You know, if you were like a pretty legalistic, conservative, like theologically conservative Christian listening to these guys and Mm -hmm. seeing all of their interviews, they cuss other guys out, they fight, Mm -hmm. like they're pretty raunchy. Not like raunchy, like nasty, like overly sexualized, but like just kind of raunchy. Um, Yeah. there's also kindness. Like, they, there is a genuine kindness that I've always seen about them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's just interesting. It's interesting yeah. to see these guys mm-hmm. living their faith. And I'm like, that's rad. Like, they're practicing it out. Like, they're on their own journey. But one of them reads the Bible. and Another one knows about Galatians 2. Mm-hmm. Like, how many people in our church would know about Galatians 2? Mm-hmm. You know, no sham on people in our church, but I'm just saying, like, these guys, you know, one guy was just like, yeah, I know about Galatians, too. you?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love Galatians. It's pretty rad. Yeah. So, they're talking about religion today,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they're talking about... Um, one image that was shown either yesterday morning or today on the news and it was essentially the controversy around the dalai lama
2: mm-hmm.
0: now apparently the dalai lama is involved in the buddhist religion
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the dalai lama is essentially chosen by a specific person of higher religious power in the buddhist religion
2: Mm -hmm.
0: like there's one specific dude i don't remember his role their role Mm -hmm. but they're like one of the higher ups in the you know the center for buddhist i don't even know how whatever like
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um I can't It's like the, the center of where all of the power and politics for the Buddhist religion come from, wherever that's located and whatnot. But this one guy goes and he like, his, his life spiritual goal is to find the next Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. So this guy was standing next to the Dalai Lama and apparently it is some type of religious custom where eight-year-old boys who are probably, I'm sure, being nurtured to become like, are they the next Dalai Lama or whatever? They were brought before the Dalai Lama Mm -hmm. and the Dalai Lama stuck out his tongue Mm -hmm. and the eight-year-old boys sucked on it Mm -hmm. one by one. And so obviously in the Western world, this was shown in America, on news in America, and obvi- like Western mindset just gonna see that and be like, what the heck is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, why is the Dalai Lama this or that, right? Um, it was interesting to hear these guys, these UFC fighters, commentate on that. Mm-hmm. And here's why I bring this up. Both of them said, We don't know a whole lot about religions, but what we do know is when things are cringy, that's when things get like we know that something's off, something's weird, Mm -hmm. and that's the perspective of like these guys profess that they're Christians, and I'm sure they follow, they read the Bible or whatever. But like, are they the most like you know button buttoned up shirt? conservative Christians who know their theology in and out and are serving and this or that Mm -hmm. I would assume not but I could be assuming wrong but it's interesting that their perspective from their perspective they're seeing that and they're saying we don't need to know all the ins and outs of every religion we just know how grossed out we were when we saw that Mm -hmm. what's your opinion What's your thoughts on that?
1: Um on that state their statement?
2: Sure.
0: Yeah, on the statement. Just let it flow.
1: I think that that Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that typically, um, that that works. Like, if you if you feel off about something, it's probably off. You know. I mean, I think that's true for the for the most part. Like, especially in situations that are like a bit more obvious.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like some people um like for the situation you brought up like yes 100% like it doesn't really matter what the custom is you can kind of tell when something's been like it doesn't really matter why that custom is that custom like it's still wrong right so as far as that situation like 100% like it's it's still wrong um doesn't really matter the origin of it Mm -hmm. Um, but I could see there being places of that mindset being more gray like people saying well it feels off to me so it's off that can become kind of gray because someone could say that about like a church service where people are speaking in tongues and then they're like well that fell off to me. For sure. So, it must be off, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: like, well, that's not necessarily true. Just because you felt off, you know? Yeah. So, that's why I'm like, it could be gray um, at times. That's why I kind of hesitated on that. But there are a lot of times and most of the time where it's, it is kind of a tried and true. (laughs) Like, gut instincts are real, you know? Yeah. Like, along with the Holy Spirit, but like just that, that natural um, response in us of being like repulsed sort of by something or just like knowing something's off. That a lot of times that's pretty accurate, you know?
0: Yes. So there's, there's a difference between the tension that one would feel when they're new to something and it's kind of like challenging their worldview or confronting, you know, their longtime beliefs, but whatever their experience is may not be cultish or, you know, seeming really cringy or whatnot. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the example you gave, like, say someone didn't grow up in the church and they were going for the first time and they heard a bunch of people speaking in tongues like that is an example of where it's almost like speaking tongues is biblical so that person is having a confrontation with that is clashing with what's not what's unnormal Mm -hmm. and their norm yeah and that's one that's like one side then there's another side where you're like experiencing something that has for such a long time over hundreds maybe you know thousands of years there's been linked to abuse to trauma right to whatever and that's what these guys were alluding to was like get this guy out of office like Then they mentioned the Catholic church and brought that up. And it's like, one of the guys was like, why do we let these world religions keep on going like this? Yeah. And there's a lot of truth to that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of um, things in certain religions um, that have like they've set their traditions and their customs but they're they've been set out of abuse like they've been created
2: Mm.
1: out of abuse and for abuse so it's like you have to know like you kind of have to weed those out Mm. of being like i mean if you want to be buddhist you're going to have to like understand that there's probably going to be traditions that were based on abuse and if you want to be Catholic, it's the same thing. Like, there's going to be, because all of them have it, where it's like, oh, why were, you know, all of the priests only accompanied by little boys for that duty, yep. right? Yep. There was a reason that they created and set it up that way. Right. And it was created and set up for abuse. Right. And then it was perpetuated, and people didn't always. do it necessarily but that's what it kind of came like why was it initially created that way probably for that reason so so it was easier yeah so that the opportunity was there yeah you know so it's like all of them have it Mm -hmm. and you have to like like you're saying like just because something's a custom or whatever doesn't mean that it's like acceptable yeah Um, it could have been a custom that was created for abuse. Yeah. So that's something to consider.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was a lighthearted uh, current event. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's horrible. It's hop right into. Um, the next one is, and I've been seeing this around a lot, like a few people sent this to me, but you also sent it to me. Um, this was a Instagram post and it's circling around and It essentially is this post from worshipleaderresearch.com and it says almost 100% of the top 25 worship songs are associated with just a handful of megachurches. So nearly 100% of the top 25 worship songs are associated with just a few megachurches. What do you think about that?
1: Well, did you read the second part to that slide?
0: Oh, you squashed my nuts. I'm so sorry. What did you do that you squashed my nuts?
1: My foot's asleep, but I can't feel. (laughs) My foot's asleep. I couldn't feel what I was pushing because I was trying to stretch it out.
0: Oh my god, you
1: squashed my nuts! I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> You're trying to need the dough, man.
2: I'm sorry.
0: Welcome to Hannah's Bakery.
1: <laughs>
0: oh gosh.
1: <sighs> my foot feels better now, thanks, sorry. Yeah. Oh.
0: It was just like
1: numb and I couldn't feel anything. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna be numb pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh <sighs> good Lord, okay oh. ow uh the second slide says what is more concerning than the theologies of individualism and triumphal triumphalism triumphalism is. The complicity of many of these celebrities and movements with Christian nationalism. Wow. What you sing shapes you. What you ignore shapes you. Worship is formation.
1: Right. So if you have the majority of... worship across the whole nation and world but i can't speak for this i don't know the statistics of the world was it saying the world or was it saying the nation
0: this is saying um the top 25 worship songs
1: oh maybe this world then well if you're having yeah if you're having um the top the the top worship songs that everyone's singing coming out of only just a few churches that are mega churches that are like pumping out this music um then you're receiving their theology Mm -hmm. like those few churches their theology is the overarching theology that is being spread to every single church that mm. sings their songs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And although, like, to a degree, I don't think that that's not necessarily like a bad thing. Like, I'm like, okay, well, most of those top songs I've sung, right? And I don't think they have bad theology. It's not about them having bad theology to me. Although maybe this post is saying that they do have some bad theology and that's why it's, it gets connected with Christian nationalism, whatever, whatever, right? And that may be true. There may be some in there, some bad theology, I don't know. But what I think that is actually more detrimental is not that it's bad theology that's being spread across the world and that everyone's just singing the same thing but that it's that it's minimal theology Mm. like it's if it's coming from three churches it's
0: limited theology yeah
1: right like if it's if it's five churches producing the top 100 songs Mm -hmm. then you're receiving a fifth you know just for example of like what could be a hundred percent like you're receiving like let's pretend it's five percent mm-hmm. of a hundred percent of the gospel like you're receiving five percent of a worldview like 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 a, you're receiving their worldview but there's so many more perspectives and there's so many more worldviews. yeah that could be sung yeah and those when they do come out because we're so used to that we're so used to like a unified song now these days because i feel like in like the 80s it wasn't really that way you know like there were so many weird songs Mm. that people were you know like you hear like a song well for example like when i was a little kid there was like there was like some popular songs like shout to the lord and things like that but then there was these weird songs out of the woodworks that were just like kind of strange, like like the one that's like, Behold, he comes riding on the cloud, shining like the sun at the call," mm. And that one's pretty popular, But, but I'm just saying there was like so much more variety of like what you were singing. Mm. So like they were singing about Jesus coming back, you know? But we don't see songs like that anymore. We only see the songs with the same kind of worldview. Mm-hmm. And it's very like... it. There's no like weird songs.
2: Mm. Where you're like,
1: oh, that's an interesting song. Like, they're singing about Job. You know, like it's just... You don't... Mm. Like you don't have those like weird ones. Yeah. Because some church or some people group is experiencing something and they're singing about it and that's what used to be happening Mm -hmm. it's like this church in this country or this this culture or this side of the world was experiencing this and they were singing about it in that way and it was weird to these people but it wasn't weird to them Mm -hmm. you know but those weird songs i think were good for us Mm. it's like it's like someone you know guest speaker coming in and telling you about something going on and giving you a perspective that you've never seen you know it's like you're not just hearing the same 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 so good so I think that when I saw that I was like wow that's true like we've we've been singing from the same perspective for so long yeah and what like what if songs were rising from Minorities and, and and other languages and and when they come to us and they're translated to us or whatever it's like oh that seems weird or that seems blasphemous or that seems whatever because it's like just different for us what like how that could be healthy yeah to, to kind of hear and to like sing yeah you know mm-hmm. to like share songs of different different perspectives like that. Mm. So that's what I was kind of like processing through today. Yeah.
0: It's really good. It makes me think about a whole lot of things. The first thing I want to address is as a Pacific Islander from the island of Guam, there are songs of the people. Mm-hmm. The tone, the like, um, the melody Mm -hmm. of the song is so different Mm -hmm. from a melody that is, you know, American.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: One's not better than the other. No. It's just different. It's so different. So that's one thing. It's interesting for, um, non-Westerners. So for Pacific Islanders or, um, you know, those outside of the Western context, Western world context, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: a lot of songs are written um, less to like move you instrumentally and they're more to move you by the cry of the heart. Mm -hmm. so you see like the artist passion moving people and then that becomes the cry of the people Mm -hmm. or you think about Native Americans Mm -hmm. and how you know if you listen to their songs their songs are often like about Thanksgiving for you know the earth giving them food or um their songs is are about grief of you know, just grieving all of the things that Native Americans can grieve. There's a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is when white evangelicalism came, they took the song away from the people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's so detrimental about just a handful of mega churches producing songs for the world mm-hmm. is that people lose out on what God is prophetically saying to their people in that time yeah in that um yeah just to that people in that time mm-hmm. makes me think of like the missionary mindset is like you go and you become one with the people You learn their language. You learn their culture, Mm -hmm. etc. Worship. (laughs) Worship is subtly still colonial.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: In a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of colonialism as in. um, Here's something to think about. It's colonialism because if only a few, like le- like a handful of megachurches are producing nearly 100% of the songs, that's essentially saying like power is winning. Platform is winning.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Influence is winning. Money is winning. If you don't have, you know, 10 to 20,000 people in your church, and you don't have a Chris Gualala or a whoever, I don't even know the mega church worship leaders, mm. but if you don't have, you know, like those type of worship leaders, like a Brian and a Jen Johnson who are producing the songs for whatever,
2: hmm.
0: then the perception is, the perception is, then you don't have, um, you yourselves don't have the ability to produce songs
1: yeah yeah it reminds me of like in the bible so many people they sing a song based on what just happened to them you know it's like um, yeah the sister of Moses Miriam hmm Sings a song when they go through the seas. Yeah. And it's all about what just happened. Right. Um
0: or Hagar's song.
1: And there's there's or
0: uh the old lady who was a widow at Jesus' birth sang that song, that prophetic song over him.
1: Oh yeah. Anna? No.
0: I don't know. I can't remember her name right now. I think it's Anna. I think
1: Anna? It, I think it's Anna. <laughs> Um but yeah it's and it's like just like you say worship is monitored it's it 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 has to be the the european mindset is different i mean it's its own mindset right the, the whole world has their own mindsets. Yeah. You know? That's why and there's the Europe- different worldviews. Right, right. And it's not that the European mind- mindset is so wrong, but that it's become the standard, and it shouldn't be. Right. And that's what's the problem. And so the European mindset is more so that, you know, or it became, I don't know if it was always this way, but it became so that um, it has to be theologically accurate. Everything has to be, you know, like like gone through a vetting process of what are you saying in your song? Make sure that it's accurate. Make sure that it's biblical. Make sure that it's this or that. But when someone sang a song in the Bible, they just sang what was on their heart. And they said whatever they said.
0: And it made it in the Bible. And
1: it was in the Bible (laughs) because... Because no one cared whether it was theologically accurate. It was just that that was their experience, mm. and that's what mattered. And I'm sure from God's perspective, it seems like God's joy is in that they're pouring out their heart, not that they're saying all the right things. Yeah, God doesn't necessarily care that much about that in those moments. It's hey, they're worshiping because they're pouring out their heart doesn't right. really matter that they're saying everything exactly accurate yeah that's just not the point yeah but then worship became like you said just like everything has to be kind of make make sure it's all accurate before we sing it mm. and i'm sure there's you know a balance but it because uh, you know things do ch- change and like you're in a big group setting and like it's just different but but the point is like there are so many places that have their own song to sing and they're singing someone else's song.
0: Exactly.
1: And they're singing the song that's going out everywhere that everyone's singing and it doesn't mean anything to most people.
0: Exactly. Because
1: it's not their song. Yeah. And especially not European people. (laughs) Because the most... Influential are these European heavy White Evangelical heavy Groups mm. um, And that's like the majority And so especially If you're not one of those people Then It may not resonate With you Yeah, If you're a Pacific Islander If you're You know like you said anything eastern um it's like this isn't really the way I would say this this isn't really what something that means it doesn't mean to me it doesn't touch my heart it's not where I came from it's not where I'm going like it just doesn't fit um or it's too vague yep like maybe it does fit but it's not specific enough yeah yeah Cause you could say oh like god you are good and that's gonna fit anybody but is it gonna say like you brought me from this point to this point that's gonna fit a certain group who did go from that point to that point yeah right but to some people they're like well i wasn't at that point so i don't get it yeah because it's not for them right you know so it's just it's like it's okay to be specific mm. It's okay to be hyper specific for your group because it should be for you yeah and so i think what it would be a cool like obviously we're just talking about this and like kind of kind of complaining about it in a way not necessarily complaining but being like this is like it shouldn't be this way but i would say like a good action point would be to like if you if you're part of a church You should be writing your own songs. Yeah. That like your church should be. Should should be lifting up your own songs. Yeah. That fit what your church is going through. Yeah. In that time. Mm -hmm. And in the voice of your people. Mm -hmm. And the voice and the tone and the inflection and the beat. Yeah. Of what your people feel.
0: Right. Yeah. No, it's so good. It makes me think of... makes me ask the question, what's the whole point of worship music in the first place? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like... I'm not asking that question being like, get rid of it. Yeah. I actually think it has a instrumental place.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's probably... Intended. It's probably been... It's funny because it's been so heavily saturated and elevated but it's diminished
0: it's still diminished
1: that's crazy because it's like
0: it's still taking
1: takes over so much of the service and yet it takes up none of the heart that it's supposed to
0: it doesn't have the potency yeah it lacks potency yeah and one it's because first of all these mega churches have incredible musicians yeah, most mega churches are paying their musicians. I won't say what mega church, but there's one that we know of of like my coach, the son, my coach's son mm-hmm. um, of that huge church, you know where mm-hmm. and they all of their musicians on the worship team, they're paid. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a lot of them don't even go to the church. They're just hired musicians
2: mm-hmm.
0: so majority of churches are actually majority of churches in the United States of America are less than 150 majority of them hmm. the vast majority of churches in the United States of America are less than 150 people and with the 150 people even with a whole lot of generosity you're only going to be able to produce something like i don't know like $150,000 a year maybe $300,000 a year mm-hmm. but after all of the expenses and everything you're not going to be able to pay for the best musicians to play every single Sunday
2: mm-hmm.
0: so that's one huge hurdle that most churches are trying to have to you know wrestle with is one they have you know they have ranger joe who knows how to pluck a pluck a banjo Mm. can barely sing a tune and he's up there singing reckless love
1: (laughs) don't banjo shame
0: oh oh my gosh okay i'm sorry if you play the banjo (laughs) you play that banjo like it's never been played before (laughs) but you get the idea what i'm saying is the instrumentalist is one Small example of how impossible it is to embody the music that these handful of mega churches are producing. Mm. Mm. You're not going to sound as good, this or that. So, instantly, you're facing all of these hurdles. And that's why worship is so flat. There's no potency, there's no mm. weight, is because. People are trying to reproduce something that they were never called to reproduce. Yeah, they were called to produce. Yeah, produce songs. Yeah, write songs, like you were saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it makes me also. Th- it also makes me think of again back to that question: What's the point of worship music? What is the point? And the center of worship music comes from David, shepherd boy, David, hmm. where he was just, uh, you know, at that point he was scholars estimate. He could have been anywhere from 10 to 12 years old. So JL Mackay's age, the shepherd boy who was the youngest of, you know, many brothers, whatnot, And still, he was selected by King Saul to come and play his harp. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe he sung. We don't know. But all the scripture tell us is that he played his harp. Mm. I wonder if you placed a harpist in churches on a Sunday. Would people know how to worship? Hmm would people think that was a joke? Mm -hmm. Would people still be able to engage with the spirit of God? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But David, that David, when he played, the scripture says when he played, Saul's essentially, Saul's demons fleed Mm -hmm. and then he was at peace. And I remember in the scriptures, it said something along the lines, like, when he stopped playing, Saul was tormented again. Mm -hmm. Like, there was a time where David stopped playing, and Saul grabbed the, like, spears and threw it at him while he was playing the harp. Mm -hmm. So, it was like this weird in and out that that's a whole nother topic um, from Saul's perspective. Mm -hmm. But from David as the OG sort of at least from what the scriptures elevate. We're seeing this shepherd boy playing the harp and that, that, bre- that had breakthrough for where the spirit of God could come up upon this evil king, this yeah. demon-possessed king.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's one reason why worship is, doesn't have the potency. Is because people aren't playing their song. Yeah. Like not only, not only are songs that are produced from people within the community for a specific time and what the spirit's doing for a specific people.
2: Mm.
0: But man, those people. That lack of. Songs that are being produced also is lacking people, like, really in playing their song. Yeah. Like that song that's prophetically on their life. Mm Mm-hmm. So.
2: Yeah. Current events. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So, so good. I think it's really needed to reimagine worship. Yeah. Um... Another thing I was going to say about David, young David, shepherd boy David playing those songs, is the point of worship music is that worship music isn't the point. Yeah. Right?
1: hmm
0: David used the harp as a tool. Yeah. To minister the spirit of God.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: the instrument the music wasn't the point right the song wasn't necessarily the point those were mediums so that Mm. David could minister to the king Yeah. and when a handful of megachurches are glorifying the wrong things we miss out on the right thing We miss out on the true heart of worship. That worship songs and our singing and our melodies and our lyrics and our instrumentation, those really aren't the point. Mm -hmm. Those are all tools. Those are all tools to be a ministry, so that we can minister the Holy Spirit to people.
2: Yeah, that's good.
0: Do you have any more comments on that?
1: No, I think that's good. Just, I'm just...
0: Deep in thought. Yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on. Um, This past weekend was Easter weekend. Yeah. Resurrection Sunday, come on. <laughs> I love it. Happy resurrection to all of you. I feel like that's what we should say to people every single t- Sunday. Happy resurrection to you. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, hey, how's your week? Yeah. How's it going? We should be like, happy resurrection. Jesus is alive.
2: Uh, yeah, I would.
1: I would like to just say he has risen. Just be like, every day. Mm. Like he has risen. <laughs> <laughs> one of those, one of those old funny ladies who just like says weird things, but yeah. But I feel like that's fitting.
0: Yeah, I think it. Be- I think it's because like, obviously we're Americans and we're just even kids like seven, eight-year-olds are programmed to when they see people, they're like, hi, how are you? Mm
2: -hmm. Like
0: that greeting just carries no substance. Greetings in the United States of America just carry no substance. And so when I was a missionary, everywhere I went, the greeting carried so much substance.
1: I heard that goodbye comes from... And, you know, it evolved, and it came from God be with you. That's cool. And then it turned into goodbye over, you know, probably because people said it fast. Mm. And then it kind of evolved into goodbye. Wow. But that's what it means. That's pretty cool. Originally. Wow. Yeah.
0: See, I love stuff like that. Yeah. Like, when I was in Romania, they literally, like, the Christians, they all practiced uh, a holy kiss as their greeting oh
1: yeah like legit greet one another with a holy kiss
0: yeah I mean it's the bible says
1: it's biblical and no one's doing it
0: and no one's doing it but they did the the Romanian Christians did man y'all
1: are sinners if you're not kissing everyone
0: that's right I remember 19 year old Joey in Romania first time out of the country getting just like kisses a wet one from petru 72 <laughs> year old man with like
1: background white hair um there was this wait was that was that a topic or were we on a tangent just now did we go on a tangent? I was like, Oh, we were going Res- Resurrection Day. That's right. <laughs> I was like, what were we talking about? <laughs> How did we get to that? Uh-huh. Okay. Never mind. Keep going. Are you sure? <laughs> I was going to say something else.
0: Yeah, because you totally just like...
1: Because I thought we were just on a tangent.
0: No, I'm transitioning.
1: <laughs> All right, go ahead.
0: <laughs> There's nothing worse than interrupting a transition. <laughs> Of course
1: okay. I of course I would.
0: Yeah. Um But yeah, I was just talking about how like greetings have no weight
2: yeah. and
0: yeah. when I everywhere I went like in Korea saying hi,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: would bow to your elders. Right. Like you would get on your knees and put your forehead to the floor and right. there was just such substance to greetings mm. to westerners it'd be like yeah it's ridiculous i don't need to do that but i'm like someone who grew up in america saying hi how are you and that just being like fake as hell and then being around other cultures and like they're seeing the substance of their greetings like man, I would, I'd put my forehead to the floor, time and time and time again. I'd rather have a bruise on my floor than saying hi. How are you? Answer that, like that question another time. Like, mm. anyways, preference. But Easter weekend, Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. I read on Monday, so a couple days ago, that there were an estimated 2.2 billion people. That gathered in some variety of Jesus community Hmm. to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. Two point two billion.
1: How do they know that? Because they didn't ask me.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know
1: anyone they asked. I'm just wondering how they know that stuff.
0: I don't know. That's cool though. I don't know. I'm. There's.
1: They're always watching.
0: There's really smart people who study stuff like that. Like, how do they know that there's eight point? I mean, now eight billion people in the world. I don't know. How do they know?
1: The government. They didn't ask you. The government's watching. Yeah, I'm. I'm
0: just saying that's what they estimated: two point two billion, which is pretty wild. Mm Hmm. So, what are the what are the implications of the resurrection to you? What? Yeah.
1: What does that mean? That was quite the transition.
0: What implications of the resurrection mean a lot to you? Like, what about the aftermath of the resurrection means a lot to you?
1: Why don't you answer the question first? Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, The first one, I mean, there's so many for me, but one of the implications of the resurrection that mean a lot to me is, man, I don't have to prove anything to God.
2: Hmm.
0: Like for my personality and just who I am and growing up in an abusive home, Mm -hmm. emotionally, physically abusive home, there was such a high demand in that type of, I mean, there is a high demand in abusive homes where you're constantly trying to, like you 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 have this, this like enslaved mindset that you need to win the approval of the abuser, even though you're the abusee.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, like, am constantly just forever grateful that I don't need to do anything to prove myself to the Father. Hmm. That Jesus has approved me.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm grateful for that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Another thing that really moves me... um, that means a lot to me about the implications of the resurrection to bring it like into our current contextual moment like this cultural moment is like there's so the divide racially and politically is so dang exhausting it's exhausting yeah but the resurrection means that God's still working.
2: Yeah.
0: And that he can bring life from death. And Mm -hmm. I literally like cling to that. I've been clinging to that this week with what's going on in Nashville with all of the white racist Nashville congressmen who voted out those two black Um, council members and one of them was just voted back in today
2: yeah yeah.
0: so it was like the power of the people right yeah which is incredible we could talk about that if you want to but I just I think I'm the angst that people have the angst that our that our nation is living under is it's pretty heavy yeah and in a way in a way, it's almost like God's grace is just pointing us to, to trust that he, will, he is the only one that can bring life from death.
1: Yeah. That's good.
0: Whoa. Wow, bro. Dang. Hong Kong. Is that Santa?
1: That, that scared me.
0: Jeez. So what about you? What are the implications of the resurrection that mean a lot to
1: you? um I have a question okay um I don't like to ask questions or ask this question exactly
0: but you're about to
1: because yeah <laughs> so I'm not a fan of questions like do you think if such and such is someone really saved questions. Yeah. I don't really like those questions because Mm -hmm. I think most of them are stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. And just it like it's just like you can't really know you know and you can't really like you can't really answer them. Yeah. Um and what do you even mean by saved? Like I don't know. I just think it can kind of be like a weird thing to say. Um, But my question is that. Do you think that if someone doesn't believe in the literal resurrection, but they believe in Jesus... Is that possible to still be um, however you interpret oh, saved?
0: Man. That's hard. That's really hard to me
1: Because that's so the reason I say that is because it's kind of a common um, you could say trending belief that people who they do have some Christian faith, I don't know how they describe themselves, but something like Christian. Um, And they believe, they do believe in Jesus as a, I do believe that some people think that Jesus is God, but that, I don't know, I'm not really sure. I think some people do think that, I don't know, but then they they don't believe that he actually rose from the dead they believe it was a metaphorical story. Okay. So it's not that they're not believing in Jesus, but they think that the whole thing that was written there was all like kind of metaphor. And so there's like a loophole in that way, because they still consider themselves like Christian though. Hmm. And I, you know, that's always been kind of a thing that people have believed in the past, but I feel like it's like trending lately. Hmm. the people believe that more um and i guess to me when you ask that question what implications are there of the resurrection to me one of the biggest ones is that the resurrection puts you in a position where you have to believe something miraculous and you're kind of at a place where you have to either admit that or reject it.
0: so good.
1: And that's like hard because some people can kind of be like, yeah, I believe in God and I believe in like, you know, a creator. Like, Like, it's kind of more like, vague and like i believe that maybe you know god did create us but like not in a literal seven days and like it kind of evolved and like it was this whole process and like it's all metaphorical and like there's tons of there's tons of like good good stuff in the bible but a lot of it is metaphorical blah blah blah. like people kind of like find themselves in that sort of vague place yeah But then when you come to the point of jesus you have to you have to face that resurrection Mm. is the problem
2: Mm -hmm.
1: are you going to believe in something miraculous or not Mm. because a lot of it could be maybe natural you know Like a natural development of, you know, creation, right? That was more like realistically natural, right? So you can kind of find ways to make it work. But then there comes points where it's like... It's exhausting. But here's... Well, I don't think if it is exhausting, I'm just saying like... some people I mean I think there's extremes on both sides like I think some people are like this there's like everything that happened in the bible is like yeah and that happened and it's a miracle it's like everything's miracles 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 but then on the other side there's people saying everything's explainable 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 natural, to degree, right? So there's like the two extremes. So I think both of them are just as weird, personally.
0: I would love to talk to somebody like that and ask some questions because there's so many inconsistencies with that view. But yeah, go ahead.
1: So anyway, all I'm saying is with the with the resurrection, I think it, the, the implication is that you do have to accept... That if you are going to be a Jesus person, a Jesus um, believer and follower, you have to then accept something completely miraculous. Um, There's no really explanation Mm. for it. And either you believe it didn't happen, and then you are at a place where there is an inconsistency, I think, at that point. Yeah. if you believe it didn't happen and it was um some sort of metaphor or whatever but like jesus really was a human but he'd actually just died then he wasn't god right so then there's just there's just tons of of loose ends oh boy there so many um it's okay if you don't believe he was God and you think he just died, and like that's more consistent. Like, okay, you believe he was just a human and he died, and you don't think he rose from the dead. Fine. That's fine. But I'm just saying, if you really do believe he was God, but then you believe he just died, I'm confused.
2: Yeah. Because God
1: died. Like, I like what do you do with that <laughs> yeah so you're forced then at that point if you believe jesus was god then you're and then you're forced at that point to admit that something miraculous took place wow like even more miraculous because some people say the virgin birth like that didn't happen yeah right and they explain that one away and there's people who i've heard say well you know you can kind of get away with not believing in the virgin birth but still believing in Jesus as God. Wow. Because like, I mean, you could kind of explain a way that God could maybe do that, right? It doesn't have to be a virgin. Although that would go against prophecy, I think. But anyway, the point is, the resurrection to me is where it kind of ends, where it's like you kind of have to deal with that. So good. And then it's like, are you going to accept something miraculous? And then you're faced with, because, like, for example, me, the way I relate to people, like my coworkers and people who aren't people of faith at all.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I have a very casual, like, relationship, like, not, I'm not close, really, with anyone. So if faith, comes up then they know that they kind of know that i'm like a christian and things like that but they know that i'm also very like reasonable like like they can talk to me about things or say things that they're not gonna like offend me or make me like like they know i'm not a weirdo basically right
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or i'm like touchy and gonna get offended by them so they can kind of talk freely and they can say things and then they know that i'll be reasonable back to them and i'll be understanding and i'll be whatever back to them but there's this point where it's like th- there's this this point where it comes to like if they are gonna say like well you couldn't actually like believe that jesus rose from the dead right where i would have to then come to that place of being like am I going to say or am I going to admit that I believe something completely miraculous and then in their eyes it kind of tips me to a new place because it's like you used to be reasonable but now you're not you know that's like where someone turns oh you're not reasonable you know like you believe in something a bit ridiculous to them Mm -hmm. like that's when you come to a point of like ridicule yeah you believe in something impossible yeah you know so there's points of faith where people can like accept but that's not one of them yes and that's where it kind of gets that's where it gets like real it's like are you you really gonna like are you really gonna believe that and are you really gonna be ridiculed for believing that wow because that's kind of the place i think that's the only point where i'm okay or not like okay, but like I think that that's where we are supposed to be ridiculed. Like I feel like there's a lot of things that Christians are ridiculed for that they're not really supposed to. Be. <laughs> it's like, guys, you're just being weird. Like you don't have to be that weird, you know. Or like, or like you don't have to be a jerk, you know. Yeah. Like, and then you're and then you're getting ridiculed for being a jerk. Yep. Or you're you know, you're being prideful and you're getting ridiculed for being prideful, or whatever. That's not what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be ridiculed for the resurrection. That's accurate. Like, that's biblical. Like, that's what the disciples and the people who followed Him and came after Him were ridiculed for.
2: Yeah. Is they
1: believe that He rose from the dead. Yeah. And that's what, in Acts, it's all about.
0: Yeah. So good. Is them
1: just saying that one thing.
0: Makes me think of the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection, yeah, and First Corinthians fifteen, I think it's Romans six or seven, one of those. Uh, But either way, Paul, I mean, several other places too. Paul talks about resurrection a lot. But in First Corinthians fifteen, Paul talks about how, like, essentially, if there was no resurrection, then we're to we're the ones to be the most pitied of all. Yeah, um, like we're we're fools.
1: And it's funny because Paul and all the other writers they really don't talk too much about a lot of other details, like with such argument.
0: Yes, like
1: even like Virgin Birth, for example. They they
0: made Dude, such a. Good they boy. just don't
1: push that issue. Because maybe, maybe, maybe it's non essential. Because I don't know why they didn't push that issue, but they just didn't. But they pushed this one. Like, this is the one, there's chapters and chapters and chapters. The resurrection,
0: there's a lot of arguments, and then there's a whole lot of arguments about the law and freedom. Freedom, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Freedom from being slaves to the law. So, like, those are. Yeah, and there's no arguments arguments
1: about, you know, creation being over the course of seven days. Yeah. And like a whole chapter about that. Right. Because it's just not an issue that needed to be like, this is what you need to be like passionate about, you know? Yeah. But the resurrection was one that that they felt the need to debate, to argue, and to push, and to say like, this is real.
0: It's a really great point.
1: And... It's the one that they were willing to get killed for. Right. That's the one. Yeah. Like that's that was the issue. Yeah. They said Jesus did like Jesus was God and Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. And everyone else is just like that's not possible. Yeah. That's not real. And that was their their big thing. Through the whole rest of the like the New Testament. And I think if we had just the story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, without the rest, I think, personally, just speaking for myself, like it would be hard to believe in the resurrection, I think. Hmm. Because I think that it would seem more like a fable Uh Because there's a lot of stories where it's like, oh, and then this person like rose from the dead or like, you know, it's just like it was like folklore type of vibes. Yeah. But then you have all this coming after it. Yeah. That to me is like, oh, no, this was real. Like this wasn't just a story. Yeah. There may have been stories where this happened and those were stories, but this wasn't a story. Yeah. Because people will argue that and they will say, well, there were so many stories, fables, folklore, or whatever you call it, where people and gods and goddesses and whoever's did this and they went to Hades and they whatever and they died. and, And they're like, Jesus is just another one of those. Yeah. And it's like, yes, those were stories. And yes, this sounds like those stories. But I believe everything that's written next is evidence that this was real. Yeah, It was like a story, but it was real. So good. And that's, to me, what is the big implication of it is like that, that moment where you have to like, accept that it, is it a story or is it, is that, is it real? Like, is Jesus actually alive?
0: wow that's so good that's so so good yeah it makes me think from studying eastern religions and other world religions there are many similar claims between like deity and holiness and this or that um jesus was different in so many ways one way that jesus was different and the story of jesus is different is that there is not a resurrection story in any of the other world religions and there is no other story of the deity the deities taking upon the wrongs the sins Whatever words that you know religion however other religions interpret that, but essentially the sins of humanity taking that upon them and dying and then resurrecting mm-hmm. there's that story doesn't exist in any other major world religion, which is wild, I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, getting all like apologist over here, but Muhammad. The, the God, the founder of the re- Islam religion, he's still buried, like his, his body is still buried. Buddha's body is still buried. Like there's, there are a lot of the major world religions, like the largest major world religions, they're just men that are buried. Mm. They don't contain the stories of the God, the deity resurrecting. Mm-hmm. There may be something to, like, the afterlife for humanity, for mm-hmm. people, some sort of promise of eternal life or eternal bliss or whatever that may be, but nothing talks about the deity, the God of that religion resurrecting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty wild. Yeah. It's pretty wild to think about.
1: I think, too, sometimes people see... Um like I said there's similar stories there's all these things that s- have similar themes and then people point to the themes in the Bible and the themes there's multiple stories where I've heard like oh there's a story in this religion that's exactly the same you know like it's just a it's just a story it's what? the way it's the themes that they you know and I think there's truth to that but I also think that it's like the way that things, the way that they were written, that's the way they wrote, right? So it's like the way that stories that were fake or whatever, the. They wrote them the same way. Right. So they sound the same. They seem the same. They, yeah. They, because it's the same writing style. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, The same generation or two or three yeah. of people writing. Writing style. Those same things. So it's yeah. like, it sounds the same. It's like, because it's, oh, it's the true. same style. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Psalms,
0: haikus, s- or things like that. Right. Similar. And so
1: it's like, just because it's, similar or even very close to the same doesn't mean that it's um not different
0: doesn't yeah exactly it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that one isn't fiction and one is non-fiction yeah like that yeah absolutely absolutely because
1: i'm sure too from our perspective everything that is in that style sounds like fiction yeah, because of the way they just wrote. Yes, yes, yeah. And they and they didn't do details the way we do details. They did them like f- the way we they do them the way we do fiction. Yes. So it sounds like fiction to us. Yeah. But because those kind of details were not as important in their yes writing.
0: Right. And so, it's interesting.
1: Yeah their their historical accounts can sound like just like fake. Right. To us.
0: We Americans. Love We Westerners, so this is beyond just the United States of America. This is like Westerners. We love prescriptions. Prescribe me good truths so that I can have a good day. Prescribe to me a good proverbs that I could become a better person.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Majority of the Gospels weren't written prescriptively. I mean the resurrection stories of the gospels, they were written descriptively. Yeah. And I think that's where you can you can sort of like sift between ancient writings compared to the New Testament writings when you're talking about, you know, the resurrection story or things like that, like mm. folklore and whatnot, like take like for example one of my one of the one of the reasons one of the many reasons why I love the Gospels is that the intention behind the writing was they are all different, every gospel carried different intentions mm-hmm. specifically the Gospel of Luke was a gospel of persuasion
2: mm-hmm.
0: it wasn't Luke wasn't a disciple mm hmm I think that's what's interesting. A lot of people don't know that they don't they forget that Luke wasn't a disciple. Yeah. Luke is writing down the story according to James. hmm So James, the brother of Jesus, retold Luke all of a story. But Luke was, you know this, but Luke was a doctor. So he was mm-hmm. all in the not only the details, but the minute of details. Mm-hmm. Give me a detail. And Luke wanted to break down that detail into five or six different ways. Yeah, He was very scientific in Mm -hmm. how he approached the story of Jesus. And so when he probably interviewed James and then wrote down the Gospel of Luke, it was not prescriptive as much as it was descriptive. Mm -hmm. It was wanting to contain scientific fact of jesus walking like hard evidence Mm -hmm. of jesus walking and living eventually dying eventually resurrecting yeah so according to the gospel of luke luke is recording james perspective on how his brother died and how this is what's crazy is luke records that all of the disciples, which James was one of the disciples, they all deserted him. So James, his own brother, deserted his brother, mm-hmm. the crucifixion. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, that's not proverbial. That's not folklore. That's mm-hmm. history. It's yeah. giving a historical account of what happened.
2: Yeah. For sure.
0: When I think of the resurrection of Jesus, another thing that's important to me about the implications is the implication of spiritual growth mm spiritual growth um there's so many different scriptures that like sort of lead us to the point to be confronted with the reality that like Jesus didn't just die to save us. Mm -hmm. Jesus died to make us more like him. Mm -hmm. And so I would say part of spiritual growth is this journey of becoming. It's never this arrival, but this Journey while we're alive here on Earth to become more and more like Jesus to our very last breath. Yeah. Um, what is your gut reaction to spiritual growth?
1: Um. Why did you ask me that?
0: <laughs> why? <laughs>
1: Because you asked me that because you are trying to up trouble. <laughs>
0: what? Are we breaking the fourth wall right now?
1: <laughs> what is my gut reaction?
0: Are you what? Oh, because you have gas and you're farting don't No. Oh, dang. I'm really breaking <laughs> the fourth wall.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just saying like. I don't know. Um Why don't you answer that?
0: No, babe. I'm trying to ask you, what is what do you when you when people talk about spiritual growth? Uh-huh. What's your gut reaction? Nothing. Yeah.
1: I have no no emotional response. I feel nothing. <laughs>
0: So you're dead inside. Yeah,
1: kind (laughs) of. It's like I hear spiritual growth and it's like flat line. (laughs) I'm like bored.
0: Why? What is it about spiritual growth or this?
1: Well, that term doesn't mean much to me, but I think it's because I associate it like. Yeah. In a different way. 100%. I just
0: don't understand it. You grew up in the church. And so, honestly, I feel like spiritual growth is one of those things that's like, it was the potato in that game, hot potato. Like, what? What? What if the hot, what if the potato was a person? What if it had feelings?
2: What are you talking about? Right How now?
0: would you feel if you were being tossed around?
2: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> exactly, that's my point. Is nobody really knows what spiritual growth means. We toss it around and nobody hmm. sits with it and actually understands what it means so when pastors are like you know our values here at this church is that we are all about spiritual growth what does that mean yeah what does that mean to you
1: well that doesn't mean anything to me
0: we know you're dead on the inside you're flatlined (laughs) (laughs) we get we, we we're already there
1: um, what I don't believe in that, I don't believe in spiritual growth.
0: Oh, good God,
1: I just, I mean, I do in my, and in, in, I'll explain it in a different way, but okay. I, but I don't believe in that. Just, just right, just plain, yeah, and simple like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't really.
1: I just don't believe in spiritual growth. I'm so Calvinist in so many ways,
0: dude. You're I can't
1: I mean I could try to pretend that I believe in spiritual growth. I just don't.
0: Yeah. I wanna know what the I wanna know what the hybrid of Arminianism (laughs) is and Calvinism is. Because that's what you are. You're you're the hybrid.
1: It's true. Because I'm...
0: Well, it's also true because your brothers who argued and you were around, like some of them are like more on the Calvinist side. Well, of
1: yeah. But it's like...
0: So you were formed. I were,
1: have a lot of...
0: Your spiritual growth as a girl growing up in a Christian home <laughs> was formed.
1: You have to understand this.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: I'm a pastor's kid. Yes. So... I was never saved. I was born a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Hoorah. But I mean I was. Uh huh. I never had any like salvation moment because I was always saturated in it. And I never had any uh and I never knew anything else. hmm I never knew anything else. Yeah. So to me it's like It's just who I am Yeah And so I don't have a before
0: Uh huh
1: So It's really hard for me To relate To A before When people do have a before I mean I'll try my best To relate to it But it is really hard for me to relate Because I don't have that yeah. And um I have a very, very strong just like spiritual confidence yeah. and like identity. Yeah. That like I'm just a daughter. Yeah. Of and I'm like loved by God. Yeah. And I just don't have a need to like please in that in that sense of like striving you know and like kind of a people pleasing with God yeah and I just don't have that like um insecurity yeah with God I've never had that I've I've had the um desperation to feel to feel God more or to draw closer to God yeah more but i've never had the desperation to like to like please like to please god in the sense of like um be loved by god more or yeah. something like i already know that i am like it, that's never been a question so sometimes it's like i remember being young and like sh- and being desperate to like um be closer to god yeah In the feeling sense. But I already knew that I was, like I always knew I was loved by God. And like, just like accepted. Fully accepted. So that was never an issue. So I think because of all that, it's like spiritual growth. I understand it as growing in When I hear spiritual growth, I think something weird, and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, it's just associated with maybe sermons I've heard or, like, something. But I always think something that's strange. Right, and that's why I'm asking what... And so my initial reaction is, like, I don't understand it. I don't... Yeah. There's no... I don't... I don't have... I don't... I don't want that. I don't have that. But if I think of it more in the sense that, that like, if I pull myself out of that... Yes spiritual growth to me is growing in the spirit and growing in the spirit is growing in the fruits of the spirit that's what that means
0: to me so calvinist bro (laughs) honestly Calvinists love galatians 5 so
1: it's like if I'm becoming more kind, if I'm becoming more patient, if I'm becoming more self-controlled, that to me is spirit- that's spiritual growth. Like what else is there?
0: Uh, I was at this Calvinist church- but what for- else is no, 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 no. there? I was at this Calvinist church for like <laughs> two or three years. And uh, honestly, every year, this youth group had a sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, because they felt the same what else is there
1: and it's kind of true i mean what else is there like the fruits of the spirit are love joy peace patience, and if you're growing in those fruits you're growing in the spirit that's spiritual growth anything else to me is like good for you that's great but i don't need to be a part of it Uh like like if, if for you it's important to You know, spiritual growth means fill in the blank to you. And you want to pursue and you're passionate and you have this whatever for that. There's nothing like I'm not going to... I'm trying to not be critical of that. Yeah. Like you do you and like that's good for you. But I just personally don't have... Yeah. I just don't have that.
0: For me, I think of the Great Commission that Jesus is given as a sort of a mandate to every single Jesus person. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. How are you as a person living like Jesus in your world, Mm -hmm. in your context? And... That question isn't the heart of, I believe, the point of it. I believe the point of that is like, as we become more like Jesus, we naturally engage in his mission here on the earth, wherever we're at. Mm -hmm. Some of us will feel the, the nudge of the Spirit to go international and preach the gospel wherever that is um majority of us there's nothing wrong with this majority of us are going to stay in our neighborhoods Mm
2: -hmm.
0: near our family the rest of our lives um and that's perfectly fine but i think part of spiritual growth to me is can be summed up in this one word becoming right so we become like Jesus by the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence, the evidence of the Spirit at work in our life is going to produce this likeness of God within us. The fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, we're not just going to become more kind or more patient, long-suffering like Christ, but we're actually going to engage in the ministry of Christ. And that that engaging with the ministry of Christ will require some spiritual growth. And that spiritual growth is this, that one hinges back on that one word of becoming, becoming like Christ. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I feel like you just talked in a circle. Okay not in a bad way, but it's just like becoming is the fruit of the spirit. Like you're becoming more loving, becoming. Yeah. yeah. And then you said that'll that lead you to ministry. Right, which that's will statement. then lead you to becoming right? Well,
0: I not necessarily like lead you to. I'm just saying it's
1: or that it requires becoming
0: well, I'm just something. saying like the I idea, I would say spiritual growth is summed up in the word of becoming. Mm-hmm. And as we follow after Jesus, that all that entails of becoming will naturally happen, which would be things like this fruit of the spirit become more, becomes more of our, you know, just like our nature. Um, yeah. But also, not like, and then that will lead to, but also as we're on this journey of becoming more like Jesus, we'll also en- engage in the Great Commission. Um, Both are like, it's, it's like they're two characters running the same race in the same direction in tandem. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why... For you, you're flatlined when people talk about spiritual growth is because you've heard it preached when those two characters, I'm sure there's other characters, but these specifically two characters aren't running in tandem. Yeah. And so like what you feel like should be at the front of the line is way behind in how people have presented spiritual growth. And you're like, wait, 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 wait wait a minute. Why is X, Y, and Z, like, winning this race when, like, shouldn't Fruit of the Spirit be at the front of the line? Yeah. Maybe that's the tension that you've experienced growing up in the church.
1: Yeah, I think something like that, for sure. I mean, a lot of times spiritual growth has to do with people, people present it having to do with, Spiritual disciplines,
0: <laughs> which we all which know, are are we could talk about spiritual disciplines another time. Kind
1: of irrelevant. Um,
0: <laughs> you're flatlined again. Yeah, yeah well, because yeah, yeah. it's
1: like you're saying, I'm like, well, that's not. That's the. That's like putting the. Um, method above. The. Heart. Yeah. Yeah. Like the meth. you're putting the method as the heart behind the, the motive instead of the heart being the heart and yeah. the method being the the method because right. you know it's like <clears throat> we should all become people that are better at loving and better at you know better at peace and better at better at joy and better at self-control I mean like you could say that um, and spiritual disciplines can help Right. But that's the reason that you do the spiritual disciplines. (laughs) It's not just to do them. Religiously. Because they're disciplines. Yeah. You do them to become. Right. Like the spirit. Right. Like the fruit of the spirit is the reason. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, yeah, I think that's what you're saying is like, it's, yeah.
0: it's In you, you felt the tension of the lack of balance or like the disproportionate um, emphasis on other practices or whatnot, and they're sort of in- missing out on what you feel like is the motive and almost like the assurance. It's like the fruit of your assurance that you have of your faith yeah like your parents raised you so I mean that's grace man they I mean they're your parents are amazing love them so much but that's grace only God could like enable them mm-hmm. to f- partner with the spirit in like a young girl's formation to just forever know you. I've known you for what 17 years now close to 17 years and you've always been this way You've mm-hmm. never wavered Has God loved me,
1: mm-hmm. never.
0: So your assurance is like literally on firm foundation. Mm-hmm. So for you, from that perspective, you have naturally a certain thing that propels you into spiritual growth. Whereas other people who lack that assurance They don't, it's not like they need another perspective, but it just helps them in their journey. Mm -hmm. And so for you, you may feel like it's useless or like there's no life to that because it's flatlined in you. But for someone like me who did not grow up in that environment, who grew up in the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the other, you know, sort of non essentials to some the like essentials of spiritual growth mm-hmm. really do play a big part in my formation. Yeah. And I think perhaps a lot of pastors who have preached and will preach on spiritual growth are speaking from that perspective of trying to. Encourage a people who didn't grow up with that assurance.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Does it make sense? hmm It took us 17 years to get to this point of like <laughs> seeing eye to eye on spiritual formation, spiritual growth.
1: <laughs> 17. I don't think that's right. Is that right?
0: October will be 17 years.
1: No. Yes. 16.
0: 16? Yeah. Ah, 16 years. But
1: that's still crazy. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that's good.
0: Episode 11, baby. Any final words on uh, current events or resurrection or spiritual growth that you want to throw out there?
1: no i think I think that was good. Did I have you? a question. yeah
0: One question for the parents out there or spiritual parents, like spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers out there? Mm-hmm. What's something that helped you from as uh, what something that your parents did with you that helped you know? sort of form a deep assurance within you?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I f- think that first, like a lot of it had to do with just the way that they loved me. So just, Without even talking about God, but just the way that they loved me,
0: yeah,
1: um, formed my security in love. Mm. So, like, if you don't if you don't have security in love to begin with, it's really hard to be secure in in God's love too. Mm. So, um, they they were just very like affirming and loving. Of me, and um, kind of like I was really special, so that it just helped. It just made me feel very like secure, um, and so I think that's part of why when then when then I go to relate to God, I feel the same way. Yeah, um, and also the way that they t- the way they taught me. Um, about God was very, um, there was probably some theology and things that, like, I wouldn't necessarily agree with now, but most of it, it's very, like, they didn't ever, like, condemn, you know? Yeah. Or, like, preach or teach condemnation. Wow. Wow was very much um grace was mm. a was a major theme that my dad would teach me. Wow. And he did he was very strict, so like if we did stuff disobeyed and things, we would get a long lecture about how like that's did you know that's sin? <laughs> 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 you know, it's like getting us to realize like everything we do is sin you know like (laughs) there was that but he still very much always was like but like grace so he was taught grace um it was never like and that's you know a condemnation that is is stuck there you know or that you had to like win back anything yeah you just were forgiven mm. so it was very it was very grace-filled and yeah i think that's part of it
0: it's so good i just feel like um getting a word from the spirit mm. that there's a listener or a few out there mm-hmm That feel like you messed up in your journey and that it's too late and i just want to say it's never too late Mm -hmm. it's never too late to partner with the spirit to turn the tide Mm -hmm. to then cultivate a home a family that's centered on grace it's Mm -hmm. never too late in fact i would say that's the product of grace yeah is that when we thought it was over and too late God's grace comes in God's power and strength turns it to make it possible yeah on that note we'll drop the mic (laughs) and hang up hang up the phone
2: yeah
0: man we love you guys hope this episode encouraged you and all that stuff Thanks for sitting through our discussions and our borderline heresy or maybe some of you are like actual heresy borderline it's actual uh but that's what
1: happens when you go on a date with us
0: (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) welcome to the couch date of heresy baby I'm just kidding I'm kidding but if you haven't and you know I'm talking to if you haven't liked or subscribe we would love for you to do that. Join the club, share these this podcast with a friend or a few. And we'll be back next week. Tuesday. Yep. We'll drop that episode. hmm As long as Hannah and I are not in a fight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which with the track record, we've been dropping episodes every Tuesday, so.
1: Yeah, we were just tired. It was Easter.
0: Oh, gosh. And my allergies were just... <gasps> we were exhausted.
1: We Exhausting, man. y'all. Exhausted, man.
0: Yep. No condemnation, Grace. You
1: have a good if night. If you want
0: it, you have to extend it.
1: Sleep tight. Good night. <laughs> Don't let the bed bugs bite. <laughs>